The fourth key, the fourth factor in awakening and opening a heart is samadhi. Now, samadhi is often translated as concentration. And when when we use that word, concentration, oftentimes we think of somehow, it conveys an image of squeezing something to get it into a smaller space, concentrated, you know, really. And so we take, we have this idea that we have to squeeze our mind somehow into this little object. You know, the breath at the nostrils, the breath at the belly, or some, you know, some discomfort in the knee. And we kind of jam, you know, kind of squeeze, kind of contract, focus, and push. Well, the proximate cause for samadhi is happy comfort of mind and body. Does that sound like squeezing, pushing, and focusing? No. Squeezing, pushing, and focusing will get you something, but not samadhi. It'll get you a headache. But happy comfort is the proximate cause for the arising of samadhi. But let me just, before I go into that, what is samadhi? Samadhi is the mind in an ongoing or an enduring way free from the torment. So in each moment of mindfulness, remembering to recognize and to observe intimately the moment, in each moment of mindfulness there's no torment. No torment. Because there's remembering, there's observing, there's staying with, and there's tasting the flavor of this moment. We're not thinking, you know, aversive thoughts about it, or desirous thoughts about it, or we're not distracted by something else. We're right there, knowing this moment. So when we do that, with some frequency, some continuity, then there's a period of time, in an ongoing way, moment after moment, when there's no torment in the mind. When there's no torment in the mind, that means there's no anxiety, there's no restlessness, there's no desire, there's no aversion, there's no judgment, no self-pity, no depression. No, It's like, ah, finally, relief, right? The mind becomes happy. That's what it is. It's happy comfort of mind, which conditions a very pleasant feeling in the body. It's the purity of the mind in an ongoing way through the continuity of mindfulness itself that conditions or generates this experience called samadhi. So samadhi is really a function of the continuity of mindfulness. So it doesn't require this muscular of some sort. It just requires remembering a little more continuously, being willing to observe a little more carefully, and just knowing each moment a little more accurately. And that's what collects the mind. So samadhi is really the collectedness of the mind, meaning the mind is not dispersed. It's not going out to think about the object. It's staying with the object. It's not having an aversive thought about the object. 
staying with the object. It's not thinking about something else like restlessness, kind of off in la-la land. It's staying with the object. So if the mind is collected on this object in this moment, on this object in the next moment, on the next object in the next moment, and in that train of mindful moments, there's no torment. That's when the mind gets happy. The mind doesn't get happy, it's just not tormented. So it is happy, it's comfortable. And the mind that is powerfully anything has a powerful effect on the body. If the mind is powerfully angry, it has a noticeable effect on what you feel in the body. If the mind is powerfully attached and desiring something, it has a powerful effect on the body. So when the mind is powerfully happy, it has a powerful effect on the body. The body gets very comfortable, it gets very pleasant, it's very enjoyable. So this is what samadhi is. Samadhi is this continuity of mindfulness. When the mind is happy, untormented, and the body is kind of light, pleasant, easeful, not tense, not agitated, not tired. So it's the continuity of mindfulness that actually develops samadhi. This collecting of the mind, it's like, you know, as we just, you know, as we just kind of wander around in life, the mind is going off here and there and noticing this and thinking about that and the future and the past and this. You know, the mind is just all over the place. And when we attend to the mind or bring the mind to, you know, the present moment again and again, just kind of like collect it here, collect it here, collect it here, it's like, then the mind becomes cohesive. It becomes stable. It's not all shaky and going here and going there. It's just, it's just collected. It's sober. The mind is sober and settled. And when the mind is like that, it becomes very powerful. And it integrates everything that it is knowing into a unity. Now, what's that mean? Well, it collects the mind so that Everything becomes one. So when you have this feeling of the body feeling very cohesive and stable and just really grounded, and it's just, it's not heavy, I don't mean it's heavy, but I just mean it's very cohesive and and well-defined. That's samadhi. But also the mind gets that way. The mind collects everything into a unification. I'll tell you a story. Do you know about this uh, woman, this Indian woman, uh, Deepama? Some of you have heard about this woman, Bang, uh, Bengali woman, Deepama. She had a very, very, very difficult life. Uh, just a tremendous amount of sorrow when her husband died and a couple of her kids died. And she was very depressed for a long time. And finally, I mean, she was in, from a Buddhist family. Finally, her friends and people she was around said, so you gotta, you got to go to, you got to go, you got to learn to meditate because you're going to die. So she went to the meditation center to do this practice. And, you know, first day, just to get to the meditation she was so depleted, she had to crawl up the steps to get into the meditation hall. That's pretty weak, right? But she became, you know, within a week, one of the most collected, and wise yogis that any of us have ever seen or heard of in a week. Because you just had this powerful, powerful mind. 
that could get collected really quickly and penetrate the nature of experience in a very refined way. So, colleague of ours, uh, Jack Engler, in doing his PhD thesis at Harvard in psychology, he translated a number of Western uh, psychological tests and offered them to different Asians who had practiced this meditative tradition. The Rorschach test and thematic app perception test and personality tests and other things like that. Had them translated, had them offered to these uh, people who had been identified as having some degree of enlightenment, first stage, second stage, or third stage, and gave them to them. And then you know how they do the Rorschach test. You look at the ink blot and you say, everything you see, whatever you see, it's an ink blot, but you say, well, I see this, I see that. Where? Where do you see it? There. What do you see here and here? Until you've exhausted all of your you know, projections onto that uh, ink blot. Then you go on to the next one. Ten ink blots. They get more and more complex as you go along. So somebody offers the test. Somebody else reads the results of the test and comes up with whatever they decide from that. I don't know what they decide. But when they read Deepamus, or shock test, they said, never seen anything like this before. And she just did something unique that, she, that n- n- no record of anybody ever doing that. So they looked through all the annals of you know, distinctive Rorschach test results, and they found one other that was somewhat similar. And it was from a Native American or First Nations person, shaman, who was offered the, the Rorschach test. And what Deepama had done was she told a story of the Dharma with every image she saw in all ten cards and she made it just a single story. All she saw was one thing with all the details woven into one story. That's a collected mind. That mind can can pull everything into one piece. So when the mind is not dispersed, not distracted, everything comes together, makes sense, fits. Nothing is outside Nothing is wrong, nothing is flying away, nothing is in opposition to anything. It's all right here, one thing. Well, this is the direction we're going with our practice, is unifying our mind. So that we aren't in denial, we're not avoiding, we're not kind of holding some little grudge over here. We're collecting the mind, purifying all the minds. Wherever the mind goes, pure. So when the mind is like this, unified, brought to a point, it is really powerful. It's like, it becomes like a, an electron microscope, not just a little magnifying glass, it's like an electron microscope where it can see into the inner recesses of everything it looks at. Everything that comes out to be known at each moment is known through and through. Well, this kind of knowledge leads to a very refined wisdom. As the Buddha said, those who, one who is concentrated knows and sees things as they really are. This is wisdom. <clears throat>